I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. We uh, read together a passage of scripture each week uh, and we stand out of respect for God's word. It'll be on the screen and you can follow along. Uh, This is from Matthew chapter 18. These are the words of Jesus to you and me. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks for standing. So if I could outline for you three steps to take that from this moment in your life going forward you could put into place that will always help you know what to do when you face conflict and give you a path to resolve it so that everything doesn't repeatedly blow up in your face or disappear, would you take it? Okay, thank you. One one person, so, so glad. Uh, This passage, we're going to look at this passage again next week, the the second part of this passage uh, next week and take communion as well. But I I call this uh, Jesus um, giving us three to free, three steps to freedom in our relationships. And so today we're going to talk about steps one and two. Next week we'll talk about step three, which can seem the most confusing. Now I am not saying to you that this is three easy steps, you just do them and everything is fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you this is easy. I'm simply saying you and I need a pattern or we're going to just do whatever it is we've always done that may or may not work very well. One of the guys who was my very first mentor in, in leadership and in uh, full-time ministry as a pastor he said, you know, what you need to do is you need to develop for yourself, a, for your week and for your day, a plan. He called it plan A. He said, you need to have plan A, and you need to map it out. Like, here's, here's an ideal day for me. Here's an ideal week for me. If everything went the way that I wanted it to, this is what would happen. And so since that time, I've always written down, here's an ideal week for me. Here's an ideal day for me. Now, does an ideal week and an ideal day always happen? No. But when it all goes crazy, I always have something to go back to and go, oh, that's the pattern that I'm after. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying here, that Jesus offers us a pattern that when we don't know what else to do, we can always return to. Now, here's what I know about conflict. Uh, one, it's terrible and none of us like it, right? Except one weird guy in here who's like, I love conflict. Uh, stay away from that guy. I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, but we're not, we're not taught how to have conflict. It just happens. I remember I was probably nine years old, and uh, we were in the living room with my sister. My sister's older than me by about four years. And we were messing around, and she got mad at me like brother and sister do. And she had a dart, like dart dart, you know, with the little pointed. 
And I'm, I'm like from here to, to Kathy across the living room. And so she takes the dart and says, oh, yeah, Phew, throws it at me. I move right there in my, I mean, I can still remember feeling the into the thigh, right? My uncle happened to be there, and my uncle had no patience for my sister's tomfoolery. And uh, he went out to his car. I don't know how he, I don't know if he cut the seatbelt. I don't know what he did. Like, this was back in the day when you, when you went in trouble. You know, you, you, your mom went to the closet for the, you know what I'm talking about? Like, everyone, if you're younger than me, you're like, what? But everybody else is like, yeah. Uh, but he went and he got that thing, and he came back, and he took it to my sister for doing that kind of thing. I, I remember that moment as the moment I went, ooh. Conflict is terrible and painful. We're not taught how to do it. We just kind of grow up around it, uh, whether it's done well or whether it's not done well. So maybe in your home, uh, you had a ton of conflict growing up. I mean, just crazy amounts of it. And, or, or maybe you had no conflict growing up. Maybe no one ever said a word. It was just silent conflict, Right? Uh, and, and if you had a ton of conflict growing up, and it was loud, and maybe even violent at times, then here's what I've found that people who grow up like that, is they either repeat the pattern in the next generation, and they just pass it down, we're just loud, um, or they do everything they can to stay away from that pattern and have something totally different. And like, we're, I grew up in that, I don't want anything to do with that, I want it to be Totally different. But the, re- the reality for most of us is that we're just left to kind of flail around and figure it out on our own. Now, I, I, I boiled this down. If you have the, your notes and you want the first blanks we're going to put in there, I, I think there are two kind of main default settings when it comes to how we handle conflict. And, and these are my words, and you can adopt them if you'd like, but I think, I think they're pretty accurate. Um, they're, the two main default settings for conflict are you're either an avoider or you are a destroyer, right? How many, how many just, on the, just hearing those words, how many of you are an avoider, right? It's okay to admit it. How many of you are a destroyer? Okay, all right. Uh, so the avoiders, right? I don't have to expel this out really for you. It's just you won't go there, right? You don't want to talk about it. Uh, it's easier to just do nothing with it. I, I, was, I remember one time, my wife and I, when our kids were really little, we went with some family members um, to Colorado to go skiing. And, and the reason we went is because they had a, a condo they'd won in an auction for like just a couple hundred bucks. And so it was going to be super cheap to stay. And, and so we went without our kids. And this was a family member whose kids were grown and they were rested. <laughs> And they got good sleep at night. We were in the throes of like little kids who just came in every night throwing up or doing whatever it is little kids do, right? That just exhaust you to death. And so we're thinking, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to get wonderful sleep. So we get into the place and we go in and, there's, and, and we walk into the door and there's this beautiful room with its own attached bathroom with this great big bed. And we're like, oh, this is awesome. So we sit down. We, we assume, right? Because everybody else, their kids are grown and they get lots of sleep, again, I reference that. And so I, I, we sit on the bed, and then this family member comes in and says, sees us sitting on the bed and says, oh, uh, this is our room. And I'm, I'm like, what? I'm sorry, because we, we know this family member really well. What? 
like we're tired. We just want to sleep. This is a great bed because we'd gone down and checked out the other one. And the other bed, I, I think they had concrete blocks under the mattress. I think that's what it actually was because it was terrible. I was like, oh, I was like, oh this hurt just laying down. And like, no, yeah, this is, this is our, um, this is our, this is our room. Okay. So I had to get my head around that. And um, I'm, I tend more towards the destroyer side than the avoider side. But this family member happened to be an avoider. And so I said, well, can we talk about this? And that person would say, just looked straight ahead, pretended I didn't say anything. I'm like, no, well, can we actually talk about this? Just kept looking straight ahead. So I said, I, I looked the person in, I'm, I'm, like, I'm looking at the side of their head. Can we talk about this? Just nothing, right? Totally and completely avoided. Now, that's what an avoider does. It's just, I don't even want to go there. I don't want to talk about it. It's too much for me. The destroyer, okay, I don't have to explain this to you, is, is, is no, we're going to talk about this right now, and I'm going to win. I will prove it to you, right? That's kind of the tendency that I had in that exact moment. Now, here's what happens, though, with avoiders and destroyers. What happens when an avoider and a destroyer date each other and get married? That's fun. Or, uh, or an avoider gives birth to a destroyer. Or a destroyer works with an avoider. Or two avoiders sit, sit next to each other at work. That's so much fun to watch. Right? Or two destroyers sit next to each other or work together in the same line. Like that sparks, right, when two destroyers do that. But we're not taught. We just kind of fall into one of these ways of approaching conflict. Now let me give you some myths because there's some myths about conflict and, and they don't help. They don't make it any better. Uh, there are things that are, a myth is something that's, you know, it's half true, right? It sounds right, but it's mostly wrong. And so what we do is we believe that it's true and act on what we think is true, but we're acting on something that's mostly wrong and in reality doesn't actually work. If you're filling in the blank, here's what a myth is. A myth keeps you stuck where you are while keeping you believing you're doing what's right. Like, I'm doing this, this is right. Can you resonate? Uh, so we believe it's right, and we can't see how it doesn't work, and so the reality is, is that we stay stuck. So here's some myths. We'll throw these on the screen for you. Uh, some, some conflict myths. Uh, the first one is, uh, you know, it's, it's better to be nice, right? I mean, it's just better. Someone, maybe your mom taught you that. Honey, we don't, we don't have conflict. It's just better to be nice. We just, we just say nice things in our family. Or, if you're on the other side, it's uh, one of the myths is, when conflict happens, I have to win. Like, I got to win. I can't lose because that shows weakness, and so I don't want to do that. Or, here's, here's one. We all say this, right? If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Oh, doesn't that sound nice? Mm. <laughs> or, on the other side, just tell it like it is, right? Just let the chips fall. That's what you got to do. Say it. Come on, just get it out there. Uh, or you might, if you were on the avoider side, uh, conflict means there's something wrong with me. So anytime there's conflict, we think something's wrong with us and we've done something terrible and it must be our fault and we blame ourselves and we feel awful. Or on the other side, we say if there's conflict and I admit that I'm wrong, then I'm going to melt. So I'm not about to tell you I did anything wrong. Or this is the, this kills this kills. This, there's two versions of this. One if you're a, a, a Christian, one if you're not. But it goes like this, and it's conflict isn't Christian. 
right? It's not Christian to have a conflict. It's not Christ-like. Don't do that, honey, right? Or conflict's bad, right? These are myths. These are myths that keep us stuck. Now, here's, here's what happens when you don't address the myths, okay? One of, one of three things becomes reality. You either get mad at yourself. Oh, I did it again. I gave in again. How do they, why do they always do that? You feel, you become like a pressure cooker. They, they, surprisingly, when I looked up, Googled pressure cooker, there's still modern pressure cookers. <laughs> I remember old pressure cookers before there was like Instapot and, and Crock-Pot, but you used the pressure and it would cook things faster. You know what I mean? But it's tremendous pressure that builds up, and if you didn't get that lid on right, boom, right? There's an explosion at some point. So you can be mad at yourself, or you can be just mad at the other person. How, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. And so it creates all this tension between you and this other person or this other situation. Or you can do what Jesus suggests, and you can take his advice, and you can instead be mad at the problem, which is what we're going to talk about today. How do you do that? How do you resolve that in a different way? And this is what Jesus is trying to teach us in Matthew chapter 18, three, three to free, free. Now, listen, at the outset, when we talk about conflict, you've got to know conflict is absolutely a minefield. It's like this mouse uh, that is trying to go through, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I got a wall, not there. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you this is simple, this is easy. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that it is a minefield. Whenever I, I marry a couple and we, we say the vows, uh, the first part of, of that, you know, the dearly beloved, we've gathered here together in the sight of God to join together this man and this woman in holy matrimony. And, and then somewhere in those, those vows, I say, uh, it, it marriage is not meant to be entered to irreverently or lightly, but, but carefully and deliberately and in the fear of the Lord. The same solemnity, the same solemn approach needs to be taken toward conflict, that we enter into it reverently and deliberately and in the fear of the Lord, because it's honestly a minefield. I mean, a lot could go wrong when there's conflict. And, and when, when you hear anything that Jesus says, you need to understand that you have to interpret it in light of the attitude and the spirit that Jesus has. I, I read all the commentators that, that write about this passage, and, and they said all kinds of things. I was like, what? Like, are you paying attention to who said these words? And they're making all these suggestions about how you ought to handle conflict. And I'm going, that's terrible. That, I would have never seen Jesus doing that. So you have to understand Jesus' spirit and attitude about conflict. Our, our attitude about conflict is basically punitive. You know, pun, there's punishment involved. Jesus' attitude about conflict was reconciliation. So let me give you some of the differences between uh, puni- punish and, and reconcile, right? If you're going to try to punish someone and you're going into conflict, you're going to prove that they're wrong. If you're going to reconcile, you're going to try to show them your heart. If you're punishing them, you're going to let them have it. If you're reconciling, you're going to appeal to them. If you're punishing, you're going to, you're going to feel right or feel righteous in your cause. If you're trying to reconcile, you're going to feel humbled and recognize that you have a part to play in this too. If you're going to punish, you're going to try to win. If you're going to reconcile, you're working to win them over. Or even sometimes really good, Jesus-loving Christian people think it is their duty to condemn someone into changing, so they try to condemn. But when you're trying to reconcile, you're trying to help. Okay, so that's the, that's the spirit we have to have. We have to have the same spirit and attitude Jesus had in interpreting what he says to us here, because this is what he demonstrated. So step one, okay? 
Step one is if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Now, let's make sure we understand all of of what Jesus is saying there because we could misinterpret those things. Um, And and let's talk about about sin for a second. Uh, There there are multiple words that are translated, uh, our English word sin. Uh, One of the main ones is a word from archery, and the word is hamartia. Can you say hamartia? Hamartia. And, And sin just simply means to miss the mark, right? So the idea is that you have this uh, light-up bow, which is awesome, and you have a target, right, that's over yonder. Can you see the target I'm looking at? And, and so what you're trying to do, the idea is that you could, you could try to shoot it. I'm not actually going to shoot it. I'm not that great. Uh, you, could act, you could try, like you're aiming at, I, I can see the target right there, and I'm aiming at it, but even though I'm attempting to hit the target, I, I missed the target, right? It's just, I didn't intend to do this, but I just missed it. So I, I, could, I could miss the mark by just not being good enough to, to make the mark, but I could also miss the mark by saying, I don't want to aim at that, uh, I'm going to aim at Mike, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intend something entirely, uh, entirely different. And, and, and the word, it's, it's missing in the, uh, the English translation but the, the, the original language literally reads, if your brother or sister's sin goes into you. Like, they may, maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe they did. Either way, if their sin goes into you. And then he says, and when that happens, now let's pause there for a second. Because when that ha- when someone intentionally or unintentionally, their sin goes into you, when that happens, here's what we usually do. We tell somebody else, I cannot believe she said that to me. Or we try to gain sides. You know, I, you know, I was uh, at work today, and this guy said this. I cannot believe. Can you believe he did that? Were you? What a jerk. I know, Right? We roll our eyes. This is how uh, Thomas Akempis, Thomas Akempis wrote one of my favorite books. It's called The Imitation of Christ. It wrote it in the 1500s. It, for 500 years, was the most popular English devotional writing that shaped Christians for hundreds of years. And um, uh, you, can, you can Google, you can find a modern version of it. If you want a really good one, you can come see me and I'll tell you what I use. But uh, this, is, this is what he said, right? 500 years ago. It shows us that human beings really haven't changed that much. It's sad to say, but we are so weak that we are more ready to believe bad things about another person and to spread them around than we are to believe or to say something good about them. Isn't, I mean, isn't that the truth? When, when my brother or sister's sin goes into me, oh, you will not believe. Jesus says, no, no, uh-uh. What you do is you go and point out that error, that like, this went into me. You go and point that out to them. So the, the go and point out, it means um, to reveal or uncover or convince. Now, Jesus says go. The word literally means travel time. So the, 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 if, if Jesus was saying this to us today, don't text it to them, because that can be misinterpreted. Uh, don't email them something passive-aggressive, because that won't help. D- don't, don't put your words out there. Go travel to them. 
sit down with them face to face and try to reveal, try to uncover, try to convince. It's the, 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 the image is kind of almost of a, of a courtroom where you're appealing to the person to see it differently and, and you're trying to read, like, okay, maybe you didn't mean it, but how it came across to me was... My kids at their school uh, went to see them, um, you know, like parents do, and, and on their, on somewhere on the wall was they had you know, like teaching kids I statements, you know, like when you do this, I feel that. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, I'm just trying to tell you how that, what you did affected me, because when you did that, this is this is what I felt. And then Jesus, no, notice this, okay. Jesus says, just between, go and point out the fault, just, listen, there's a very important part of this. Just between the two of you, now here's the Greek, I translated it very carefully. Uh, Just between the two of you means, don't talk to nobody else, yo. Um, It's actually in the Greek. No, it's not actually in the Greek. But can I I show you why why this is such an important part of this and show you why this works? And, and why it's worth taking Jesus seriously on, on, on the, the actual steps he says we're to take when someone else's sin goes into us. Um, and, and, and I've got this chart here. I'm just going to kind of show you. Let me put that first one up. So we, there's an offense, right? And we feel it. And then if you're, in a, if you're a destroyer, then A, right there, you fight at all cost. You win, but you probably lose the person, Right? Or you lose the relationship. Or if you're the avoider, you tell someone else about it. Or you post, on, you post a vague uh, status update on Facebook. I am so mad right now. I can't even believe it. Right? Uh, you talk about them to somebody else. Uh, then because you've created this distance between you and the other person, it's awkward when you're around them. And then that festers. And then there's tension. And then maybe you're, there's some sort of confrontation that happens. And it might be ugly. It might not be ugly. There might be crying involved. There might be yelling involved. You definitely hurt. They're hurt. Can you heal? Don't know. Versus, here's how Jesus says, you have that offense. You go to them. You show them how it went into you, you listen to them, and if they listen, you've gained them. So I'm not saying there's no pain involved on this side. I'm simply saying this pain may go on forever. What I'm trying to say is, can you see the wisdom in what Jesus is saying and why we, because this is the course of human behavior right here, isn't it? This is kind of what we do. We so rarely take Jesus at face value and do what he says, but it's actually for our benefit. And then Jesus says, and, and if they listen to you, then you have won them over. The word there means, literally means you've, you've gained them. You, you were going to lose them as a person in your life. And when you pointed this out to them without involving other people, then you've gained them. And it, this, is, this is the mindset that you have to adopt, is that you're going to win them over, not win do you see the fundamental difference? Now, I, I, it's important to note, this is not a one-time act. Jesus is not saying, now listen, if you've, if you've been approaching conflict this way, do this this one time and everything will be fine. Following Jesus, Dallas Willard says, is self-authenticating, meaning if you put into practice what Jesus says, you find out it's actually a better way to go about life. So as you do this, as you do this more and more, you develop a reputation. Not that you can automatically do it, but you develop a reputation. People know, oh, 
Uh, she doesn't talk to other people when something hurts her. She goes to the person. Oh. Oh, he doesn't yell at people when things don't go his way. He actually goes and talks. And as you develop that reputation, the likelihood that you'll win that person over grows the more you do that. Do you see that? Now, does this always work? No. (laughs) Jesus, the sinless Son of God, the Savior of the world, who died on the cross for the sins of the world and rose again from the dead, uh, who Paul says in in him, uh, all creation is held together. Jesus himself says, no, this doesn't always work. Sometimes you go and you do those steps, and the person, you don't win them over. They don't listen. And so step two, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that, and then he's quoting the book of Deuteronomy here, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, if you go back and you read in in Deuteronomy about that, that was a court uh, thing to prevent one person based on their opinion and their experience being able to stand up in a court of law and say, so-and-so did this against me and, and their word carrying all the weight. They had to establish what happened with the weight of two or three other witnesses that saw the incident and could give credible witness. And Jesus is saying a similar thing might be in play. It's the same kind of principle. And, and maybe you went to them. You took this first step and you went to them and you talked to them and you said, hey, this is what we need to do. Uh, but maybe they think they, they can't hear what you're saying. They, they are, they're not in the place where they can hear what you're saying. And maybe they just think you have a problem with them and you've always had it out for them. Because that's how we are. We read people through our lens. Or maybe they think you are the problem, and for whatever reason, they won't listen to you. And so Jesus says, so take one or two others along with you so that they can hopefully, because the sin has gone into you, help them. Now, now who are these one or two others? These are, not, um, these are not people that you found that agree with you because you went and told them about what a jerkball that person is. Um, these are not your friends who are going to gang up on somebody else. This is why belonging to the church actually is a redemptive thing when conflict happens because you can hopefully then find wise and gracious and truthful people who have the heart of Jesus to reconcile things between human beings when things get at odds like they do. And so find one of those people, a person that's moving toward Jesus and wants to love the truth and is also a gracious person and that you trust that's wise. Take that person along and then sit down with the person and, and try to have another conversation and say, hey, listen, this happened. What can we do to resolve this? Because again, the heart, the heart of it is reconciliation, not winning. Jesus is not saying this is how you win. He's saying this is how you reconcile. So let me end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end uh, and I'm going to give you um, some steps here, the laws of, of conflict um, and, and reconciliation, uh, but this is so you can take Jesus seriously. I, I want you to actually put into practice what Jesus said. Jesus very famously told a parable in Matthew chapter 7, the parable of the, the man who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on the sand. And, and what Jesus said was, uh, the, the person who hears my words... In other words, comes to church, reads the Bible, prays, uh, has the YouVersion app downloaded on their phone and posts the verse of the day on Facebook. That person 
who hears what I say and goes, wow, that's really insightful, Jesus, but does not do it. In other words, doesn't actually put it into practice. He says, that person is like a man who built his house on the sand and the storms came and the rain came and when that came, his, li- his, his house fell apart. In other words, you cannot build a life on just liking the things I say. You build a life on doing what I say. Because he says, and the other man who heard my words and put them into practice is like the man who built his house on the rock. And when the rains came and when the storms came, notice Jesus says, just because you're a good person doesn't mean bad things don't happen to you. But when that stuff comes... You have a solid footing to still be standing after the storm is over. So this is about you putting into practice what Jesus actually says about what is best when it comes to conflict. And, and, and let me give it to you in, in, a, in an acronym, okay? It's HELP. Um, HELP. Uh, so here you, you say, well, I'm not quite sure how, what I, how I would do that, how I would do that. Uh, you're going to show up with the person and you want to help them, Right? So you're going to say, here's what I want for you. I have found whenever there is some difficulty saying to the person, because it's, again, minefield. Here's what I hope for our relationship. When, when we have this conversation after it's over, I, here's what I want. I, I, I like you, and I, I want this to be better. And here's what I hope happens. It puts the person at ease, right? You're not coming out, I'm going to win, and you terrible. You explain what happened, and, and there's two ways to go about this. You can say to the person, you're the problem. It's you. You did this to me. Doesn't work. What I've found is that if you can take and say, you know, together, um, we have this, you and I, we have this problem. Could, could you and I look at this problem and figure out how you and I might solve this problem? And then you listen to their response. Tell me, because maybe you misunderstood. If, if they didn't intentionally mean to hurt you, and it went into you, maybe they say, oh, I didn't, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it that way. I, man, forgive me, I'm sorry. But if you don't listen, you never know that. And then you, you're working for a path for healing, right? Can we get past this? Now, there are some basic laws of reconciliation and, and conflict, and... Um, and you, you and I ignore them at our own peril. Uh, but but I, I, before I give these to you, and, and they're in the sermon notes, how is your current plan working for you? The reason this is where it is and landing the way it is on you is because we all face this. And the reason you're kind of uncomfortable right now is because your current plan doesn't work that way. And I just want to give you Jesus' plan. So let me give you some laws of conflict and resolution. Go to the person or make it worse. Right? Jesus teaches us that. Deal with the issue, not the person. Uh, speak the truth or struggle with bitterness. You are bitter. Some of the reason that you are bitter is you have never taken Jesus seriously and been able to work up the courage and go actually talk to somebody about how that affected you. And if you choose that path, you need to know you are choosing the path of bitterness. 
um, give grace or you create distance. Give grace or you create distance. Let the person be a human being who messed up. I'm a human being who messes up. Let them be the same. Don't hold them to a standard that they can never attain. And frankly, you don't attain. And then, this is, this is important, hurt isn't always harm. I, I hate going to the dentist. I really do. If you're a dentist, I'm sorry that I hate you. <laughs> I don't, but I do. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> when you go to the dentist, they hurt you, right? But they're hurting you in order to heal you. See, we're afraid that anytime we hurt anybody, that must be terrible. Well, you can, there is a way to hurt in a way that heals. On the flip side of the dentist thing is sugar, right? It's delicious and it's, it's wonderful, but it's harm that tastes delicious. So hurt's not always harm. Then forgive the person or grow hate. We're going to talk about that in detail next week. And then keeping the goal in mind, and the goal in mind is... Reconciliation. If you go to your brother or sister and they've sinned against you, go to them just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you have won them over. That's your task this week. Uh, You probably are feeling like, okay, I've got all these things in my past. Am I supposed to go talk to every person that I've ever had a conflict with and go... I'm not, I'm not trying to put that burden on you. I'm simply saying, this week when you have a conflict, try it Jesus' way. It's just better. It just makes more sense. It's just more helpful. It actually has the possibility within it to bring reconciliation and not more hurt or bitterness or pain or unforgiveness or hate. Just choose Jesus' way because it's better. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that the, the Holy Spirit of God is with you when you walk into that. Because did you catch the little word Jesus says, where two or three of you are gathered, <laughs> trying to work out a difference, trying to work out a hurt and a pain that's between the two of you. Do, do you notice what he said there? Where two or three of you are gathered, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not doing this alone. The God of reconciliation is present in that moment. Let me pray for you, okay? Would you stand? Uh, Risen Jesus, this hits us close to the vest, your words do. Um, All of us at points have struggled with this. All of us can name a person or a situation that we wish we had done it differently, we wish they had done it differently, we wish we'd had a better path. So, Jesus, we take your wisdom to heart and we want to actually put it into practice. It's hard. We need help. We're scared. We're fearful of what the other person might do or say. So we need help. Thank you that you are with us. And so, uh, so right now, uh, I would invite you, this Jesus' words are, that when we hear the good news, his message, that the way we receive it is we repent. We, we think differently. 
I would invite you right now to say, Jesus, I want to think differently about conflict. I want to repent. I want to see it in a different light. Help me in my thought patterns to see it differently, to approach it in a different way this week. And now, uh, great God, you've entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation, that you were in the world reconciling men and women to God. And so you've entrusted to us that message of reconciliation. And so we take that seriously as ministers of reconciliation. Thank you for entrusting that to us. We pray this in your name, by the power of your spirit, all of God's people said, amen. You're sent now to love God, to love people by being reconciled to them and serving the world in Jesus' name. Hug someone, tell them you love them. See ya.